0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Stock Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. I'm your stock storyteller. And today we're jumping right back into the companies, y'all. The past couple of weeks, we've been doing mental models, um, but it's time we get back into kind of the meat of this show, which is analyzing companies one by one and going through the SP 500 components. And let me remind you the reason that we do that. So the purpose of this podcast is to help you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And I think one of the best ways to learn something, uh, in this case, investing, is to actually see real life examples. And when it comes down to it, what are you going to be investing in? You're going to be investing in companies. So we look at the company and we try to break it down into its simplest parts and understand how it works, how does it make money, and then where we go from there as an investor. So without further ado, welcome to Stock Stories, episode 27. Hello, hello, hello. I hope you're having a great day. Again, my name is Alex. I'm your stock storyteller. And today, we are going to get into another company. What are we going to talk about today? Well, I won't spend much time with an intro. We'll just get into it. We are going to talk about an alcohol company. It's called Brown Forman. Alright, so who is Brown Forman? You may have actually never heard of them, although you probably are familiar with their products if you are a drinker and you live in the United States. So Brown Forman is a liquor company, and they mainly specialize in whiskeys, American-made whiskeys, they call it con- or Tennessee Bourbon, basically and they also sell other types of liquors. They sell vodka, tequila, they sell scotches as well. And they sell alcohol, plain and simple. They make it, they bottle it up, and they sell it all over the world. That is Brown-Forman. So they are the largest American-owned company in the spirits and wine business. So they're much bigger alcohol companies in the world that exist, but as far as America is concerned, Brown Foreman is definitely the top spot. So how did this company start? Well, they were founded in 1870. So this is a company that is coming in on 150 years old. So this is an old company. They were founded by George Garvin Brown, and he was a pharmaceutical salesman, and he came up with the novel idea of selling whiskey in a glass bottle. Uh, For sealing purposes. And back in the day, if you wanted to buy some whiskey, um, the most common way to get it was in an actual barrel. So he basically devised this idea of putting it in a bottle, and that made it a lot more portable while still sealable. So eventually, he partnered with his friend George Foreman, who was his accountant and friend, and they formed Brown Foreman. That's how the company was really born. Now, over time, they began selling their whiskeys, but then in the United States, something big happened that really impacted alcohol manufacturers, and that was Prohibition. So, in 1920, Prohibition came into full effect, and the way that they got through it was by getting a license to sell whiskey for medicinal purposes, so very clever. It somewhat parallels what's going on in the United States right now with the whole semi-legalization of marijuana. Marijuana is legal at the state level in some states, but it is illegal at the federal level. And so you kind of have this conflict there. um, And you have states where marijuana is allowed for medicinal purposes. So you kind of have these parallels between these you know these uh, these types of products um, that are kind of seen as illicit by many members of the population and of the culture. Um, but anyway, I digress. Over time, Brown Foreman eventually came out of prohibition, and at that point, they basically went full force and started selling <laughs> selling alcohol all over the country yet again. So their main brands at this time were Early Times and Old Forester. So these were the main bourbons in the company at this point. Now, in 1956, the Jack Daniel Distillery was purchased in Lynchburg, Tennessee. And this was a really key turning point for the company because once they purchased Jack Daniels, that family of brands really took off and that uh, American-made tennessee tennessee bourbon uh, became really popular and actually as of 2016 jack daniels is the 16th most sold liquor brand worldwide i actually think now in 2018 it's risen to the 15th spot worldwide so it is one of the most recognized liquor brands ever and as we'll see later, this has really been the key to Brown Foreman's recent successes in the past couple of decades. It's really been because of Jack Daniels. In 1966, the company expanded into Irish whiskey and tequila. In 88, they introduced Gentleman Jack, which was the first new entrant to the Jack Daniels liquor family in over 100 years. So uh, these new brands were being created. In 2010, Brown-Forman struck a deal with Bacardi so that they could market each other's products in certain European countries. So they have this partnership that they've had for years now with Bacardi to make sure that they're selling worldwide and kind of joining forces there, cross-promoting. In 2011, Jack Daniel's Honey was introduced, which was a big hit. In 2015... They purchased Slane Castle Irish Whiskey, so they expanded heavily into Irish whiskeys and scotches. Um, and in 2018, here we are today, just one tidbit of an example of the financial strength and quality of this company. It will be the 72nd consecutive year of Brown Forman paying a dividend to its shareholders, And it'll actually be the 34th year of raising its dividend to its shareholders. So, Brown Foreman knows how to return cash back to its long-term investors. And they've done that dutifully for decades. Um, Let's get into the overview of the company. So, one of the most important things, I think, culturally about Brown Foreman is that Brown Foreman is a family business. So, Brown Foreman... Um, the Brown family basically still runs the place and it's crazy to think that because the company, like I said, is almost 150 years old. The family is in its fifth generation and they still to this day own 70% of the voting stock. So Brown Foreman is one of those companies that has a dual class share structure. And what does that mean? That means that they have shares that trade on the open market that have certain privileges and shares that trade on the open market as well that have other privileges. So the ownership is divided. Now, the Class A shares are the more thinly traded ones. These are the ones that have the actual voting power of the corporation, and these are the shares that the Brown family owns 70% of. Um, So for you and I as individual investors, it's probably a better idea to buy the B shares because the Class B shares, even though they have no voting rights, they are meant for the public to be buying and selling, really. And so um, there are 312 million of those shares, only 168 million of the Class A shares. So we got that split structure. All right. So brown Foreman, they mainly sell whiskey, like I said, but also scotch, tequila, vodka. And they also sell liqueur and a little bit of champagne and wine. They used to be bigger into wine in the past. When I was going through the history, I didn't mention it in the highlights just now, but they have owned lots of wine companies in the past and have since divested most of them. So the sales of Brown Foreman, even though it's still mostly a U.S. company, in recent history, it's been about 50-50 U.S. sales versus the rest of the world. And it's been, that ratio has been consistent over the past few years, but that. Ratio has been increasing heavily toward international. I think back in 2001, only 25% of the sales were from countries outside the United States. So over a two-decade, almost a two-decade period, we've seen Brown Forman successfully transform itself into, I would say, a truly international company. They now sell in over 170 countries. And most recently, they've expanded into Spain, France, and Turkey. Um, They can't typically sell directly to the consumer um, just because of the regulations on alcohol companies. Uh, But they do sell to distributors and governments, and that's how they do it. And then those distributors and governments then sell directly to you and me at the liquor store, at the gas station. And that's how we get our hands ...on a nice big bottle of Gentleman Jack. You know what I'm saying? So, Brown Forman is one of the top 10 global spirits companies. And of these top 10, they only control 20% of the global market. So, what does that tell you? That tells you that there's room for growth here. There is still a lot of liquor being consumed worldwide... ...that is not made by one of the big guys. That's not made by Brown Forman... That's not made by Pernod Ricard, that's not made by Diego, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's room for growth here. And on the world stage, Brown Foreman is still definitely a big company, but they are not nearly as big as some others. So I think that there is some good growth potential there. One thing I noticed about this company is that the inventories are typically much higher than they are for other businesses and when you think about the business model it makes sense because what does brown foreman do they have to take raw ingredients like the wood the malt the water the flavorings and they take all of this stuff and combine it and ferment it and then eventually they get liquor well that liquor doesn't just get sold immediately. It has to be aged. It has to take its time. So think about something like a whiskey or tequila. These products have to be aged for years. So production has to be scheduled years in advance in order to meet demand. Another thing that kind of influences the business model are the laws in the different countries where Brown Foreman makes these products. You can't just go into Mexico and say, I'm going to make a tequila and then just kind of do it however you want. There are certain restrictions on the way that these products are made. So for example, Mexican tequilas have a minimum aging period mandated by law. Irish whiskey must mature for three years in a wood cask and it has to be done within Ireland. You cannot make whiskey in the United States and call it Irish whiskey. Um, which makes sense, but nonetheless. Bourbon and Tennessee whiskeys must be aged in new charred oak barrels. Um, so you have all these regulations that Brown Foreman has to abide by, and sure, this ensures the quality, but it's also something that um, puts limits on the business model. All right, and so let's get into the financials right now. So in 2011, I like to look at kind of multi-year data to see where a business has gone and where it's going. So the sales of Brown Foreman were 3.4 billion dollars. And in 2018, they're just 3.2 billion dollars. The operating income in 2011 was 855 million and in 2018 it reached 1 billion. And that 1 billion is actually slightly underreported because in 2018 70 million dollars was used to establish a foundation. But still, yeah, not that much in the scheme of things. about 2.2 percent year-over-year growth for the operating income. Now when I found these numbers, I was a little surprised because I had heard great things about Brown Foreman in the past um, from other investors online. And so I went a little deeper and I went further back in history. And in 2002, I found that Brown Foreman had 326 million dollars in operating income. And so from 2002 to 2011, that's 11% year-over-year growth, very robust growth. But from 2011 to now, not much growth. Um, so one thing I did like, though, was that the income held steady in 2008, 2009, and 2010. So during the recession, we had $448 million of operating income, $435 of operating income, and 449 million dollars in operating income. So to me, this tells us that it's a stable business. The quality of earnings is high, but the growth has not really been there for the past few years. And I'm talking as far as earnings, not talking about stock price at all. The stock price has actually skyrocketed in the past 10 years or so, which is which is great. Um, but uh, it puts put prospective investors like you and I in a precarious position because We're starting to see a great business, but the growth isn't there anymore, and the price is high. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So Jack Daniels, the brand that is the flagship of Brown Foreman, they're growing by about 6% worldwide as far as their volumes. The Woodford Reserve is one of the bright spots. They're growing by over 20% year over year the past few years. They're kind of having this resurgence of that brand. Erradura Um, Which is the tequila brand is growing by 15%, and that's mainly sold in the US and Mexico. Um, So, those brands, um, I suspect, will make up a larger portion of the profit pie, but still, Brown Formant is mainly reliant on its whiskeys and the Jack Daniels uh, stable of brands. All right, what about the assets and liabilities? So the cash that Brown Foreman had in 2011 was over $500 million. In 2013, they had just over $200 million. So their cash levels have gone down. The inventories, however, have gone up, which is a good thing. That means they're expecting a lot more demand in the future. And remember what I said about the aging process. So they really have to have a lot of inventories to meet future, future demand. In 2011, they had $647 million in inventories. And in 2018... It's over double that um, over 1.3 billion in inventories. And the total assets have gone from 3.7 billion to 4.9 billion, which is a 4% annual growth rate in the asset levels. Now as far as the debt and the long- term uh, debt and liabilities in 2011, there was about 500 million in long-term debt. Now there's quadruple that. there's over 2.3 billion dollars in debt. Um, And if we are to look at the equity to debt ratios from 2011, it was about four to one and now it's about two to one. Um, So this is something that concerns me a little bit, but not too much. Again, it's just corporations in general that I've studied seem to have taken on more debt in recent years. I suspect this has to do with lower interest rates and they want to lock in lower interest rates. Um, but, uh, but we'll see where that goes. I kind of wish the equity to debt ratio was what it was back in 2011 at that data point, because, um, I mean, a four to one ratio is pretty good. Um, but nonetheless, that's what the numbers tell us the cash flows in 2011, they're operating cash flows of over $500 million. And in 2018, it's over 600 million so an increase for sure, but only it's 2.6% annual growth rate there. Um, the investing cash, um, this varies a lot year to year. I won't even really mention the numbers just to say that um, sometimes they sell businesses, sometimes they don't, sometimes they build distilleries and renovate them, sometimes they don't. So this ebbs and flows, but I looked at the data points and it looks like that Brown Forman does definitely invest, reinvest into its own business in various ways. As far as financing, in 2011, they put $406 million into the business. And in 2018, there were $468 million. And that was mainly because, um, actually, in both the years that I studied, um, 2011 and 2018, Brown Foreman happened to pay a special dividend in addition to the regular dividend. Um, so in 2011, about $300 million was used for the dividend. And in 2018, over $770 million was used for the dividend. So that's 13% annual increase in the dividend paid to shareholders. So this is a company that has had a very good track record of rewarding shareholders through dividends. Um, the payout ratio is something I was looking at because the 2018 payout ratio, which is the amount of the dividend divided by the earnings of that year. Uh, it's over 100%, 107% in 2018. And in 2011, it was 57%. So I'm like, whoa, is this company just paying out all of its money to shareholders its dividends, or is it really putting money back into the business? And the reality is, it is putting money back into the business. Those just happen to be years that I studied where special dividends were paid on top of the regular dividend. And Brown Foreman seems to like to do this whenever they um, sell a, a big brand, to another company or, or something like that. In 2016, Brown Foreman sold the Southern Comfort brand, which had been around in their company for a while. And so that gave them an infusion of cash. And, and so things like that. Um, but overall, the actual dividend payout ratio in years other than 2011 and 2018, it typically hovers around 40% of the earnings. So this is definitely a company that prioritizes Dividends. As far as share buybacks, sometimes they do share buybacks, sometimes they don't. In 2018, there were a little over 300 million shares outstanding. Uh, in 2011, I had to go back and adjust for all the splits that have occurred in the past couple of years, but the equivalent shares in 2011 were a little over 330 million. So not really much over that period of time. I, I would just say that's basically flat. They haven't really bought back many shares, not in a significant way. So the current Class B share trades at $52.33, and that is a little over 34 times earnings right now. Uh, The dividend yield is 1.2%, so we would get that amount back immediately as part of our return assumptions. Buybacks, again, not really much going on here, so I would say no contribution to earnings growth there. And then the organic earnings growth, I put somewhere between 2 and 10%. I mean, Brown Foreman has proven that they can grow double digits um, if they have a flagship brand that's really taking off across the country or across the globe. Um, I think it remains to be seen how this will play out if Jack Daniels in particular continues to see success outside of the U.S., then that'll be a big boon to earnings there, Um but then again, over the past several years, the earnings of the overall company, they just haven't really increased. And uh, so I think it's going to take another big brand like Eradura or, or something like that to really take over and be another big flagship product for them. Um, so based on all of that, I think their return assumptions are probably between 3 and 11%. I know that's a big range. And frankly, I was a little disappointed because I thought my own estimation of future returns would be much higher given how well brown Foreman has performed historically but just when i look at the most recent 10 years of data or seven years of data it just doesn't show the big growth that i kind of thought was there um, if you were an investor in 2001 and you were looking at the numbers or an investor in 2003 and you saw that jack daniels was growing by double digits across the country then yeah, like things would have been really great. Um, but Warren Buffett is often fond of saying that I think it was Buffett said that, you know, current investors, we can't pay for yesterday's growth. And I, that's one reason why I'm hesitant with Brown Foreman, even though it is probably one of the best companies in the world, as far as earnings quality, I mean, think about it. The business model is so beautifully simple. I mean, people love to drink period whether it's when times are good, people love to celebrate and drink. When times are bad, people are sad and they drown their sorrows in the bottle. And that's just the way that the world has gone for many, many years. And Brown Foreman, I think, is well positioned to uh, provide the products for basically any of those moments uh, that people turn to alcohol, for, whether for amusement or other reasons. Um, so it's an Definitely more of an addicting product, potentially. And that's something to watch out for uh, as a consumer, of course. Uh, but as far as the business goes, I think it's incredibly stable business. If they can get another Jack Daniels in their stable of brands, then that would make a huge difference. Um, I would wait until they trade at somewhere closer to 25 times earnings because. Historically, they trade in the upper 20s and 34 times earnings is a little rich. I mean, even for today's market, when a lot of large capitalization stocks are just trading, creeping ever upward, just little by little, uh, that P.E. ratio is expanding and that multiple is expanding. So I might hold off a little bit if it were me. But of course, you make your own decisions when it comes to your portfolio. But I'm just saying to you, based on my opinion of the business, I think it's an incredible business. I mean, selling alcohol, it's its obvious, right? It's its an obvious way to make money. Um, the thing is the price. you got to get the price right. Um, so those are my thoughts on Brown Foreman. Thank you very much, y'all. And, yeah, uh, one thing I want to say is I have been hearing from a few of you through email, and I really appreciate that. Uh, if you want to reach out and talk to me, you want... To make any suggestions about the show, I'm always looking to find ways to improve. Go ahead and shoot me an email, Alex at StockStoriesPodcast And yeah, I'd love to talk. And uh, I'll talk to you soon.